our relationship with food. There are many things in our lives that can affect the relationship that we have with food. Our culture, our upbringing, food insecurity, trauma, media exposure, and our chronic illness. We often don't think about the ways that chronic illness affects our relationship with food, but it can have significant impact and is worth consideration. But for some reason, this isn't something that I generally hear being talked about in either the medical community or the chronic illness community. I'm not sure why, but the mental health impact on the way that food can damage our bodies is often overlooked. So I want to take some time to talk about the way that chronic illness can impact our relationship with food. Food trauma. When you have a chronic illness, food can have a major impact on the way that you feel. Sometimes that impact can be severe or life-threatening. Food allergies and foods that trigger severe medical symptoms can leave a person with feelings of trauma related to that food. Imagine eating a peanut butter sandwich and almost dying because you had an anaphylactic response to the peanuts. How would you feel if someone later presented you with a peanut butter sandwich? It would be completely reasonable and rational to have a fear response or avoiding behaviors towards foods that could cause you harm on this level. Consider that oftentimes other people prepare your food. When you have food allergies and or foods that trigger medical symptoms, a great deal of trust is required to allow another person to handle your food. Thus, this kind of trauma goes beyond the way that we respond to just foods. How we navigate common social gatherings when food is often a common part of get-togethers and social celebrations. Many social events become dangerous and emotionally triggering. Going out to a restaurant that you've never been to and haven't done any research on can become terrifying. A simple date night suddenly becomes something quite complex. This becomes a significant social obstacle in the lives of many people with chronic illness. It can become difficult to talk about the trauma related to food. For one, it's always difficult talking about an event that was traumatic. But there is the added difficulty that this is an experience that is difficult for many people to understand, and thus they can easily downplay the severity of the event. Adding further difficulty is that it often requires us to establish a basic understanding of our chronic illness for people to be able to understand why the food event even happened let alone why it was severe and traumatic. That's a lot of hurdles and takes a lot of spoons. Most of the time, we find it easier to avoid these social situations than to use up our spoons to explain why these kinds of events are difficult for us. Anxiety around food isn't that surprising when you consider that food could cause a migraine or an allergic reaction or severe gut pain. All kinds of practical and protective behaviors can develop that can be seen as anxiety, even when they aren't. Sometimes these behaviors are a combination of being practical and protective and anxiety-driven, just to make things more complicated. But checking labels, researching or avoiding restaurants, being reluctant or unwilling to try new foods, and not eating food prepared by anyone but a trusted person are all patterns or behaviors that are pretty reasonable, but could also easily get out of control if anxiety begins to drive them. Then there are dietary needs. When you require a narrow range of foods in order to stay healthy and comfortable, it becomes a lot of work to just keep yourself fed. What this often means is that food and eating becomes another chore rather than a source of pleasure. Many of us with chronic illness are forced to keep track of what we are eating and what we are eating. 
Um, many of us keep detailed food logs. This is a lot of work. Sometimes it feels like keeping yourself fed is a full-time job all by itself. When eating becomes a chore, it changes your relationship with your food. There are some benefits to the detailed record keeping. It keeps you honest with yourself and your providers about where your eating habits look like. It gives you a very realistic picture of what your intake really looks like. When people ask me what my food patterns are, I can confidently describe my intake patterns because I've been documenting them in little notebooks for about a decade now. This is a kind of knowing that only comes from really paying attention to your daily habits and the trends that develop over the weeks, months, and years. But it also makes me want to avoid eating. When I'm tired or otherwise low on spoons, it can be tempting to skip eating so that I can save on all the spoons that goes into it because there's nothing spontaneous about eating. When you are on a strict diet, you are likely making most of your meal choices while you are buying your food. You will most likely be cooking most of your food from scratch because there is no such thing as a pre-boxed, low glycemic index, low histamine, pescatarian, high sodium meal. You have to make that stuff for yourself. Spoons for meal planning, spoons for shopping, spoons for meal prep and cooking, spoons for actual eating of the meal, spoons for documenting. A lot of spoons go into eating and some days there aren't enough spoons for all the things life demands that you accomplish. It can be all too easy to dismiss the importance of eating as a way to save spoons and avoid a series of chores. Food aversions and social stigmas come together. When you start avoiding foods, it is often misunderstood by those observing your behaviors without context. Oftentimes, people begin to assume that you have an eating disorder when they never see you eating at any of your social gatherings or when you're eating only a narrow selection of items. This means that we often get labeled as having mental health problems like eating disorders and get hit with all the stigma that goes along with that. Whether you have an eating disorder or are mistaken as having one really doesn't matter. The problems that result are the same. It's unfortunate that mental health comes with so much stigma, but it is a reality that we will face and discuss if there is any hope of making any real changes in these areas. This stigma is doubly dangerous. The first layer of stigma comes from social interactions that we have. Once people have labeled us as having mental illness, they often label us as being broken or weak individuals that are choosing this lifestyle. This isn't true, regardless of whether or not someone is diagnosed with an eating disorder. No one chooses to have a life of struggle and suffering. Once people believe that are we choosing this, they also believe that we can easily choose to live another way. That's where statements like snap out of it and if you just wake up come from. There is this idea that we could just decide to not have these problems anymore. When people believe this, they are less likely to be supportive of the person who is suffering. There are other layers of stigma is through the med medical system. Once you have been labeled as having any kind of mental health on your medical file, there is a shadow cast over all of your other medical conditions. Somehow, having a mental health diagnosis invalidates every other diagnosis on your chart. It then becomes the patient's responsibility to prove that their medical problems are real and they are not some kind of somatic delusion invented by their mental illness. It doesn't matter if their mental health diagnosis is one that includes psychosis or not. This stigma casts that shadow regardless of how much sense it actually makes when clinically examined. Luckily, 
Not everyone we encounter will buy into the stigma narrative, and many will help us fight back against it. But it is an important part of the way that we interact with food. Once we have a history of being labeled as somatic, we are at risk for questioning our own realities. This can put us in the risky position of challenging our past experiences by trying to force ourselves to eat in socially normal ways. Social pressure can have a lot of power. Everyone wants to belong and feel loved. If your family and friends are constantly telling you that these things are in your head, it is easy to begin having a confrontational relationship with food, all in hopes of being accepted into the social group. But on a positive note, having chronic illness can also have some good influence on our relationships with food. It can leave us considering our diets in ways that we never would have before. It often leads us to eating much healthier foods. There becomes an inevitable focus in our eating that can often cause a positive shift towards mindfully eating. When we begin making our health a priority in our lives, and we are often forced to do when diagnosed with chronic illness, we often assess the way that we are eating as a part of that process. When we work towards a diet that better aligns with our biological needs, we are on our path towards greater health. So yes, having chronic illness can help us have a better relationship with our food too, but it puts us at a lot of risks that we need to be mindful of and take into consideration when we're talking about the price of chronic illness.